Hello, it's Shahidia from The Creative Floor. Just a reminder that the next deadline for this year's award show is the 26th of March. And do keep a listen out a little later on for some amazing job opportunities and some production company shout outs. Well, welcome everyone to another Creative Floor podcast. We have a really special podcast for you today. We have the ex-executive creative director of Area 23, the amazing Elliot Langerman. You are right, Elliot? Ah, thank you, Shahid. Great to be here. Excited to uh, chat. Yeah, we finally got hold of you. Finally, after months of hounding you, we got you. <laughs> I was some I, 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 very poor behavior on my part. I, I, I think the, my single greatest weakness is calendar management, and um, you exposed that rather quickly. That's all right. We'll expose a lot more over over the next sort of hour or so, no doubt. So I introduced you as the ex-ECD of Area 23. So I don't know how public it is, but obviously you've got a new role. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. we can talk about that a little bit later on, actually, because I think that'd be I think a lot of people would be very excited to hear, you know, where your new journey is going to be. Um, and you're okay to talk about that, right? Yeah, that's totally cool. Cool. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I think obviously <laughs> the secrets out well yeah. hopefully by the time this comes out you will have probably started actually your new role and it won't be such a secret but uh yeah I I, start monday so start uh, monday yeah okay this podcast will be out in about yeah a week a week after that so all right yeah we've got an exclusive old news. it's old news <laughs> <laughs> by the time everyone hears this is old all right this is the first i'll have discussed it though Yes. Okay. So, so really you, if we talk about it, you and I will be the first. You'll be the first person outside of uh, my wife um, to have a conversation with about it. Uh, oh, what? So people at the uh, agency don't even know where you're going. No, I, I, I told, I, I, I was very candid about that. But um, you know, having it being the second time that I left yeah. Area Twenty Three, the first time they kind of made. A, a big deal and I came back and I think I was feeling a little um, I, maybe silly or just a little shy about being like I'm leaving again and so I told people if they were came up to me and asked me but I didn't I didn't make a, a big deal about going around and sharing it so as a result I didn't have that many conversations about it mm, okay uh, you know yeah I was just feeling a little a little shyer the second time like oh here he goes again so had you quit previously yeah yeah i i i had um and i I worked at a click uh, for two years as a cco um and then i went back and then you know tim hockey being a persuasive guy yeah uh, we're jumping ahead aren't we you haven't even started at the beginning yet no okay Well, well, look, I think obviously you're a very sort of um, key uh, leader within sort of the healthcare communication space and just actually not even just healthcare, I'd say advertising communications in general. Obviously, you've been associated to the amazing, the most award winning agency, um, the big, the biggest blockbuster creative powerhouse our industry has ever seen, of, of course, Area 23. I think there are lots of agencies out there who claim they're the, the most <laughs> awarded agency, but I think um, by anyone's standard, 
certainly from last year and the year before you guys uh, sort of you know standing at the top of that mountain but obviously a lot of people know you and they know your, who you are and they know the association mm-hmm. of, of your work and, and and such but maybe not everyone necessarily knows your your journey from from you know when you started what made you get into the industry and those sort of key moments that you think might might help somebody out there who perhaps is listening to this right now who's going to be the future Elliot um you know in the next few years yeah. <laughs> yeah it's exciting and and yeah so we, just, <laughs> you can hire them now can't you um <laughs> that's true yeah i wonder if i'd like me well that well there's a podcast <laughs> right, right do i want to work with me uh why would you not want to work with yourself i don't know i don't i don't know i'd like them to be better than me to take the pressure off of me okay all right yeah, well, at, gonna, at minimum Okay. Well, this is going to be a fun podcast. We're going to go deep. Um, so, Elliot, how far do you yeah. want to go back? Where do you want to start your story? Um, you know what? We could start anywhere. I've got a, um, you know, there's a lot of great, like how I broke into the business stories. I happen yeah. to have a pretty a pretty good one for that uh so we could we could talk about that uh why advertising or we could be more contemporary i i, I think i've got, probably got something let's to go say there. About all of it. let's go there let's go let's go how how you got into it okay how do, okay so um i'm gonna i'm gonna go back because I, I think it's always nice to hear i enjoy when people talk about this kind of thing like i was just listening to um uh podcast and they were talking about the origins. Did you always want to be in advertising? And um, it's interesting how many people say yes, you you know, uh, and I guess I'm one of those, I guess I'm one of those people Um, from a very small age. I I loved advertising. I just loved it. Um, You know, I don't know if I liked good ads. They probably were like action figures or something. Where are you from originally? Yeah, the uh, New York, the greater New York area. And so I don't necessarily think I had like, it wasn't like the classic London advertising where you talk about like the great BBH Bob Hoskins spots. I think I was probably looking at ads for action figures, which are All right, okay. jingle based or something and kids being like, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Um, but nevertheless, I thought they were amazing. And I, I always felt that advertising and the ads were incredibly clever and so smart and, and, and so fun. And um, they were always like the medium and the work in it was always very aspirational to me. And um, I sort of knew from a very young age that I wanted to do something creative as as a grown up, you know, and um, uh, I thought writer for a long time. And, you know, in university, I studied um, creative writing and, you know, like pu- published a published like uni- university published, uh, you know, a work of poetry. And for a long time, like writing it as writing, not in the context of a commercial art was the thing that I did. And I thought, that uh, hey, I want to I want to work in maybe magazine publishing uh, as a writer or an editor or advertising. Those both seem like really exciting things because they were both things I loved. I love magazines too. I, st- I still do. There's 
just a tremendous joy in getting a magazine and looking at the pictures and the stories and finding things that are funny or smart or surprising. This is infinite discovery between the covers of a magazine, I think. Uh, very transporting. And um, I have, but right out of college, I was working as a teacher because uh, my number one goal was don't live at home. Where did you, you know, go to college? Like, I went to a small liberal arts school in the Northeast uh, called Bates College. There's like um, 1,600 kids at the whole, in the whole school at the time. So oh, wow. very small. And um, I knew I wanted to live in New York coming out of college. And I um, knew I didn't want to live at home. So I had to have a job. And a friend of mine one day was, uh, was from New York said, hey, I saw this uh, subway ad for something called New York City Teaching Fellows, which is you can show up and if you take some tests and take an interview, you could become a teacher and they'll pay for you to get your master's and blah, blah, blah. And I had never thought about being a teacher and never wanted to be a teacher, but I was like, well, that's literally the only prospect on the table. So let's see if, let's see if this works. So I did it, you know, and fast forward two years later, it achieved its goal as living in New York. I had had a job, got it, I've been working and, um, I'd got my master's in education, but I knew that I did not want to be a teacher. It's a, that is my hats off to the teachers, especially in New York City. That is a extremely trying job. Very, very challenging. Um, so I, at that point, I was thinking, well, advertising, magazine publishing. Um, so I got an interview at Esquire for like their internship program. And, you know, Esquire, very dapper magazine, mm. very cosmopolitan, very worldly. You know, they've published Hemingway, um, all kinds of a great story tradition. And I showed up in my um, ill-fitting suit thinking I, I looked amazing um, and uh, probably very cocky, looking terrible. Um, <laughs> I must have really, I, I did not get, I did not get the internship. It was not an Esquire man. So I moved to my, and I didn't have another obvious way of getting into the business. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have any like clips. I didn't have any writing examples that would interest them because it was all poetry. Okay. Out of interest, did you have any idea of the heritage of Esquire in terms of, you know, George Louis and all that? Oh sort of yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a tremendous magazine in terms of, you know, old Muhammad Ali yeah. covers. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there's definitely an intersection there between, advertising and, and Esquire uh, for a men's magazine. They've been a great patron of the arts mm. over the years and worked with some incredible people. Yeah. Um, but I, I pivoted, I pivoted to advertising and um, I knew a guy who worked in healthcare advertising. I wish I didn't know was a thing. And uh, he's like, I do this thing, you know, do you want to, and I was like, I'll, I'll take it basically. So you hadn't had any sort of medical background? Zero. Zero. Okay. N none. None. Um, what did you study at college? What was your degree in? Uh, English with a concentration in creative writing, specifically poetry. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So, so okay. Very unmedical. Yeah. Well, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. yeah non non nonsensical. <laughs> stuff you can't reference <laughs> yeah right right that's good good background 
So what agency <sighs> was he working at? He was working at a CDM. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, it didn't mean anything to me. His name mm. was John, my friend John Libre, who um, I went to college with. And he, uh, great guy. You know, he's actually, he's left the business. I think he's an entrepreneur now. Um, but and this is back when CDM was like the show in town. And again, I didn't, I didn't know this, but, you know, they were launching like Viagra and uh, they were they were real like eight hundred pound gorilla, and uh, I, I remember going there and I interviewed with like a dozen people, and like you know they're like okay I don't know, we'll uh, here's some homework because I didn't have any I didn't have a portfolio I had no advertising work, mm. and I had no medical work, and I was kind of just presenting myself as. Uh, a hopefully charming, hopefully intelligent fellow that it's like, I could probably do this and I'd like to, will you, will you take it? Will you let me try? Yeah. Which is in hindsight, not, maybe not a great pitch, but they were, they, they were, um, they were cool. They said, here's some homework, take the homework um, and um, let us know when you're done and we'll, we'll look at it. And uh, the homework was basically to make some ads and they, you know, they sat there and they said, oh, here's one. Give me one for uh, Lunesta, which was uh, a, sleep, a sleep aid, a prescription sleep aid. And I think they literally found it by like leafing through some trade magazine. Like, oh, yeah, do one for that. And then this was Netflix's early days. And they said, I do one for Netflix. And um, maybe that was a third one. What year is this? This is 2000 and... Five, maybe six. Okay. okay. You know, a long time ago at this point. So I went home and I, I worked all night on it. And I called them back the next day and I said, I've got it. I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to come in. And they were just like, no. Take, they're like, take a couple weeks. <laughs> you know, and I, I just had this feeling, um, and this is maybe a, um, a through line, because I've actually had to get into advertising twice. And, and I'll, t- I'll explain the second okay. part of that. Uh, but th- I think this feeling of extreme urgency is a through line maybe through my career. And I just had this feeling in this moment that if I, if I let it sit, I came back in a couple weeks, it, it, like, it wasn't going to work. Maybe it would have. I don't know. That was just how I was feeling. And I was like, no, I'm ready. Let me come in and show you what I have. And so there are you know, they relented. Okay, you can come in. And I and I showed them what I had. And I don't know if it was any good, but I remember what at least some of it was. What was uh, it? Um, so I don't remember the Lunesta stuff or whatever the other thing was, because I don't even remember what the product was. But I remember the Netflix stuff. And, and I think only one of them was good. There was one that was like the CDs or the DVDs as like magic carpets and like, you know, people flying to your in the envelopes and the envelopes that they were mailed in were like magic carpets and people were like All flying right. to your home. And I had a little tagline. I forget what it was. It was, it was a kind of like iPod ish. It was like, like every movie, you know, in, in, in one place or something like that, or yeah, right. your mailbox, right. you know, 10,000 songs in your pocket. I, I probably ripped it off. 
Um, what did you do? Did you did you scamp it up? Did you draw it up? How did you do it? Because I find it really interesting when you've had, you know, people who've had no experience in advertising or knowing what a concept or a scamp is. Because I've done that before. I've given briefs to people and they've come yeah. back with a PowerPoint presentation and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> How did you do it? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of, um, I think I just had this like intuitive sense that like I needed to make some ads and like that they just had to like share my point of view. So um, I think I literally was like working with just like maybe the same way I do it now, actually. Uh, maybe I drew some I drew and some I tried to make in like, uh, like Photoshop or like MS Paint where you're like, I got to so, so like, for example, I had one idea. I think I was actually doing it the old school way, like cutting things out of newspapers and or magazines yeah, cool. and like yeah. collage. So the one that I think that might have been okay was um, like sort of like you look at a mailbox and there was Michael Moore, uh, you know, the documentarian, yeah. having a lightsaber battle with uh, Darth Vader. And there was some line about how what they had sort of covered the gamut of everything you want from Michael Moore to Star Wars. Yeah. And yeah. the line maybe talked about evil empires or something like that because he had just come out with his like his first big like I'm gonna you know fuck sorry, take down the system. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind kind of thing. And I think that one hopefully it had a good line on it. Uh, but they liked that one. And I think that they said, okay, you can come in for like a temp position. Oh cool. Uh, or, or freelance. Oh, rather. literally the yeah. next the next day. It was literally the next day, and they just said, "Yeah, okay, you know, come in and, and have a go." I think they might if it was like I was there on a Monday, and I called them back on a Tuesday. On like Thursday, I think they might have said, "Like, it was when they might have let me actually walk in." They said, "Okay, we'll, we'll give you a go at freelance," and um, it's like a trial period. And I kind of just then just like made a nuisance of myself and didn't leave, and I was there for. Uh, for a year freelancing yeah uh, freelance and then they like uh, maybe after two months it was converted to full-time oh wow and and this was the strangest job because i had one i didn't know it but the um the the, the payer group had hired me i didn't know what that was it was managed markets and it was there was no advertising at least no creative advertising being done everybody was really nice uh, but it was all like numbers and ma mathematical. And it's like, well, the drug's expensive, but if this person, but the competitor, they have dizziness. And if you get dizzy, you're going to fall and break your hip. And so that drug is going to cost the hospital amount of money. And this drug, it's more, but there's not, you're not going to pay for a broken hip. So we're cheap mm -hmm. if you consider the big picture. So I was writing things about this. Um, or not doing anything at all. I spent most of my time just hanging out and asking for work and not having work. And uh, I think what I've realized in retrospect is they just must have been printing money. And they were because they were like, whatever you do, just bill. They probably wouldn't <laughs> like me talking about this. Jesus. Well, uh, hopefully the statute of limitations <laughs> has expired. They're like, whatever, whatever you do, bill all your time to this number. Oh, wow. And I, so I sort of looking back on it, I feel like they're like, look, we're going to pay this guy, you know, 28 or $30,000 US. Um, 
and um, we're going to bill him out to the client. And even if he doesn't do anything, just his <laughs> him sitting here is making <laughs> us money, and, and we have we have a number to hit. And so I would do some stuff, but I, but I felt pretty underutilized, and that was that weighed pretty heavy on me. And so I um, the things you do when you're young. So I've resol- I resolved to myself. I was like, I'm going to leave this job because I'm really unhappy. But I felt so guilty about it that the only way I could figure out, I, I kind of like engineered like a breakup. I did a it's not you, it's me kind of thing. And to make it true, I moved to San Francisco. I was like, I'm moving. <laughs> I'd stay forever, but I'm moving to San Francisco. So, so it was really, it really loved the long way to solve this moral quandary, which isn't really a moral quandary, shouldn't be a moral quandary at all. So I left after a year and moved to San Francisco and that, and that was the end of, and I was very relieved to not be working in managed markets um, and to uh, not be doing that anymore. Cause it was, it was a little soul killing at the time. I didn't have enough to do and the topic wasn't super interesting to me. Um, but then I, so I had to enter the business a second time. I, okay. I was in San Francisco for a while and, I wasn't working and I kind of ran out of money. And uh, this is before San Francisco is what it is now. You know, like they, 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 like the tech, the second, the, the fang boom hadn't happened. And so there weren't just these billion dollar companies and potential billion dollar startups lining the streets. There was, I don't even know who was there, but it's really hard to get a job. So I kind of didn't try. There wasn't much advertising in town and it was very competitive to get it. And I didn't have anything anybody was interested in. So I ran out of money and I, I moved back to the East coast and uh, I kind of didn't, I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll try to get another job in advertising, but maybe a better one or one I like more. Um, and uh, so this proved, this was extremely nerve wracking because um I had, I was in this weird position of having worked in advertising, but st- for, for a year, but having still having no work to show zero. Like, oh, I, so there was, you know, there was nothing in your portfolio still. Like maybe like a flashcard, one <laughs> flashcard that had, you know, like a couple, a couple messages on it. Like literally nothing, certainly nothing creative. Wow. Uh, Cause I, I, like I said, I was very, 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 um, not busy when I worked there. And so it was almost like, did you really, are you lying? You know, so I, but I didn't know this yet. So I, um, I, I kind of engineered this day where I had, uh, three interviews and a a headhunter. I think his name was, um, David Yontef. I've never spoken to him since, but David, thank you. You helped me get, uh, get my, get a, get a job that day. Uh, I had three interviews set up. I had one at um, Euro RSCG, which is now Havas. I had one at um, Saatchi and Saatchi. And I had one at Sudler and, uh, and Hennessy. It's funny, only, only one of those companies really exists still, <laughs> at yeah. least as, as named. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, you know, I was kind of staying at my parents' house in, um, outside the city. And I took the train into the city. And um, I had my Saatchi and Saatchi interview first. And I go in and I met with a um, really nice lady. Her name was Martha Crane. 
And we sat down, we chatted for a couple minutes, and she said, look, let me see your portfolio. I said, oh. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't have one. I was like, I have my resume. It's in like a manila, gross manila envelope. Mm. She's like, you don't have the portfolio? No, like, no, no, I don't. Yeah, no explanation, just no. <laughs> <laughs> and that ended the interview. It was over. That's it. Okay, nice meeting you. Bye. And 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 I, I was kind of walking out of the building. You know, it was just um, at the time was on what still is on uh, Hudson Street, but it was pretty desolate down there at the time. And I remember getting out of the building, being like, I kind of saw my advertising life flash before my eyes. I was like, holy moly, this is what's going to happen at every interview I go to today. Mm. And um, they're all going to laugh me out of the building. Word's going to get out and I'm never going to get a job in this industry. And I have blown it today. Uh, and let me tell you, man, adrenaline, hell of a thing. So I was like, I, I need to like shift the trajectory of my fate right now. Um, so... I took the train up to Lincoln Center because I knew there was a Borders books there. And I knew across the street was a, like a FedEx where you could, you know, or a UPS where you could sit and like use a computer and print something and, you know, 10 cents a minute to use uh, Microsoft Word. So I like blew into the, uh, the Borders books, which is, I don't even know if they're around anymore, but you know, it's like a Barnes and Noble yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Went to the magazine section and just started frantically paging through magazines looking for pharma ads just to learn the names of products. Hmm. I was like, I did, cause I was like, I need to make a portfolio before my next appointment. So that appointment is on the same day. I had three on the same day. It was like morning, lunch, afternoon. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to make a portfolio. I'm going to have a portfolio by the time I get to my next, <laughs> uh, by the time my next interview. How many hours was that? I feel like I had, uh, let's say, generously three. I feel like it was. Wow. Yeah, wow. maybe three. Maybe it was like at a 10 a.m. interview and the next one was like a one. And then I had like a like a 3.30. Okay. So I went in there and I was just like, I remember, okay, add there. That's a drug. Write it down. Okay, it's for <laughs> asthma. Got it. You know, and I just charging through, got the name of like six or seven different products, you know, brands went across the street to the FedEx and just started frantically writing ads. I remember it was like trembling so much, you know, okay. Uh, and I'm not scamping anything at this point. I don't even know where this idea came from. What I ended up doing, my God, this is so dishonest, um, was I would have like a, you know, little micro, like a Word doc page and I have in brackets, like the picture, like a description of an image. Didn't even try to draw it. So like woman <laughs> serving, woman serving a tennis ball. She's hitting an ace, you know, um, headline, Advair, advantage you, you know, uh, that, that was actually, that was in there. That was, that's the only one I remember. So some other stuff. And I, I did maybe about a dozen of these or so printed them out, put them in nice little, you know, those little clear plastic sleeves bought like their nicest leather at, binder thing it probably looked terrible yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so I had a portfolio, a really bad one, but I had like a dozen wow. pieces of advertising in there. Um, and I could at least talk about it. Yeah. And um, I remember I went to the next interview and this was with the Euro. Um, there's a, uh, uh, probably in recruiting, she was like, screened me. I didn't see any creatives that day. I just saw the screener. Mm. And um, to go with my bad, to go with my fake portfolio, I needed a fake story about why this is what my portfolio looked like. <laughs> so uh, I went, I, I went the, uh, the pity route and I, I, I said, you know, I was moving back. I just moved back from San Francisco. Uh, true. And I drove the whole way. True. And uh, my car was broken into. Not true. And my computer was stolen. Not true. And my portfolio <laughs> was on it. Also not true. So I've had to resurrect. I've had yeah. to, you know, resurrect my portfolio all on my own. And this is my best attempt as a, as a humble writer yeah. to create what was in it and is lost forever. And I remember telling uh, the recruiter at the time, I won't, I won't say her name. I don't want to embarrass her, uh, but she was absolutely lovely. Uh, I think very highly of her to this day. I said, so what I'm going to need you to do is I'm going to need you to close your eyes <laughs> and I'm going to, and I'm going to describe each, each, um, each ad, each piece in my portfolio yeah. to you. And so we did that. And I cannot believe she agreed. She said, okay. She's, must have taken a lot of pity on me. She said, okay, we, we did that. And um, this is like the performance of a lifetime, you, you know, because I was like, it's this or the gutter is how it felt. <laughs> uh, and I remember at the end of that, in, at the end of that interview, uh, the presentation where I was walking through my work, she told me um, that is the best portfolio presentation I have ever experienced. And I'm just like, like holy it's 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 working wow. i cannot believe this is working um so i was very encouraged very yeah. very encouraged i went later that day I'll, I'll kind of cut to the end of the story later that day i went to Sudler and i had two interviews there um the first one was with a, a fellow who actually now works at Saatchi. he's had a lot of success and um they cut me there they were just like this guy's so full of it <laughs> they, they just smelled the BS from a mile away. So they're kind of like, I don't know, not, this is not happening. Um, but I had another interview with somebody yet with another CD there, Jack Heinemann. Um, and, you know, we had a nice conversation. We connected over the fact that we were both Eagle Scouts and um, Joe Garamello was the, uh, the ECD or CCO at the time. And um, I think they, they knew I was totally full of shit, but like, they're like, that's exactly what we want. <laughs> you know, it's the right kind of shit. It's the good. It, he's full of the good shit. You know, did, you, did you did you did you play the whole close your eyes, you know, and imagine routine with all the agencies? I I only did it for the first one. I gave everybody okay. the sob story, sort of like the right. why this is what it looks like. But um, right, I I think I felt like lightning struck in that first one, and um, yeah. I wasn't going to have them close their eyes, but um, I ended up getting an offer from Passport, from Euro and from Sudler. And I ended up working at Sudler, but um, I look back at that day as extremely pivotal because I had started the day with no portfolio. Yeah. Uh, and this like very confusing story about how I had worked in advertising for a year, but had done nothing. Both of these mm. things seemingly contradictory, but true. 
and um, sort of like made it happen. And I got myself back in the business and um, I've actually left again since to go to law school and then, and then came back. But um, I think flip of a coin, the wind blows a different direction, a butterfly flaps its wings in, you know, in Hong Kong. And maybe I never worked in advertising because it, yeah. that's how tenuous it felt. So I'm, uh, I look back at that day as pivotal in my career and, um, and I'm really grateful for the people that took a chance on me because like, boy, what a, what a load. Have you still got the portfolio? <laughs> you know, I might, I might, it's, it could be in a box. Like I, uh, I, th- I will, I, I really hope I do. I'd love to see in a kind of cringe way what's in there. It's got to be a world record for the quickest portfolio done. I mean, I, I've never, I mean, I've never heard of a portfolio being put together in three hours. I think it's quite, uh, it's, I'm, I'd love to see it whenever, if you, if you, if you happen <laughs> to come by it, I think it's quite clever for a writer to actually write the entire ad and even the visual in terms of what's meant to be the image or whatever. It's quite fun. Yeah. I mean, you use the tools, you know, what is it? A necessity is the mother of invention. You use the tools you have and you just go, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make this happen. Like it needs to happen. I have to, I have to get a job. And so I'm going to just use everything you've got. Okay. Well, let's do a shout out for some jobs. The FCB Health Network is compromised of 2,700 relentlessly passionate, curious individuals who live by the mantra, never finished and never finished learning, never finished growing. And then never finish looking forward and doing what's best for their clients, <laughs> their products, and each other. And they've written here, we'd love you to help us write the next part of our never finished story. And they are hiring all levels, all roles. Um, so if FCB is an interest to you, go online and visit fcbhealthnetwork.com and click work with us. And I must say, FCB Health win a ton of awards every year at the Creative Floor Awards. Um, and as an outsider, they've always had quite a wonderful reputation, having a really strong culture and really looking after their people. So, yes, big, big endorsement from the Creative Floor for FCB. So do check them out um, if you are looking for a new opportunity. Also, remind everyone that if you do want to promote any roles on this podcast, do get in touch. Or if you need a bit more of a bespoke service, do check out our new talent platform, the Creative Floor Superstars. So you went to Sudler. I went to Sudler, yeah, and that was a, that was a wonderful place to work. Um, really supportive atmosphere. I feel like I learned maybe not a lot, honestly, maybe not a lot about creativity activity but um i feel like i just learned a lot about like medical advertising you know and like the fundamentals referencing annotating um uh talking to you know mlr prc kinds of things the things that um i don't do at all now but it was a, a, a remarkable training ground for learning about those kinds of things very supportive environment uh i thought everybody filled with really interesting really really interesting people um and so that was that was great and i was there for i did two stints i was probably there for three and a half years total with a little donut hole in the middle when i went to law school briefly boy did that not stick 
So how did lawyers, you make the jump from and, um, Sudler to law school? You know, I, I had this feeling. It wasn't that I wanted to be a lawyer. But um, what I learned is there's a lot of habits of mind that are very similar between law and advertising. Very, it, It's like same skills, different personality. It's not like a skill thing. It's a personality thing in some ways. But um, What do you mean? What's the personality difference? Well, law is, it's rule-based, you, you, you know, but there's a hugely creative element of it because uh, here's a little game I like to play. Am I describing law or am I describing advertising? Someone gives you a bunch of information about something. It's all disconnected. And here, here's a bunch of information about this. You have to synthesize that information, think about what's the most important information, and then tell a story about that information that persuades somebody about the merits of your client's point, about the merits of your client, their case, their point of view, their brand, and encourage them to take an action. Not guilty. I'll sign the contract. I'd like to buy that. I'd like to prescribe it. And um, so you're doing a very, very similar thing at the most fundamental level. Just the tools that you use to tell that story are different. And there's really different. And as a result, you have really different personality types in those jobs and in those environments. And the companies have hugely different personalities. You know, there's creative and rule breaking and um, exciting. And then there's things that are more uh, rule following, structured uh, et cetera, with the latter being, uh, the law, the legal profession and the former being advertising, but you're doing a, a not, a not totally dissimilar. So what, what was, what was the trigger though? I mean, cause obviously you just kind of, you know, you've got this job, you've kind of hustled your way into it. What, there must've been a trigger that made you just go, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go and do what my parents do. I was worried about the long, I was very young still, I was like 25 or 26, mm. but I was worried, worried about the longevity of a career. I looked around and I felt like I'm like, I don't, and this is very, a topic that wasn't on the table 15 years ago, it didn't feel like, but, um, is that 15 years? Yeah, like 15 years ago, but it, it, it certainly is now. I was like, I don't see, what do people do once they hit 50? Mm. And I was like, I was worried about working in a, I loved what I did, what advertising could be, but I was worried about working in a profession that viewed experience as equating to just expense. Yeah. Like, oh, that's an expensive person as opposed to wisdom, which is the case in law. You know, if you practice 20 years of law, it's like that, that person, yeah, they know some things, they've seen some things you want to talk to them. And in advertising, even at that point, it felt, um, felt like you didn't accrue wisdom. You just became, you got perceived as uh, bloated. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's out of touch. He's, he's, they're not wise. They're, they're out of touch. So I was a little nervous about that or a lot nervous to try something else. But um, a semester of law school was enough to tell me like, <laughs> oh, you can't do something you don't love. I was like, okay, well, I'll figure it out because I hate that. Oh, so it's literally just a, a little a semester, and you would like, nah, I'm going back. Or yeah, and I remember the the guy that was my um, 
manager at the time, he called me up and he's the previous manager at Sutler. He said, so oh, you're ready to come back and be a filthy hack. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I said, yup, sounds good. Sign, sign me up. Yeah, warm my seat up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why, why did that concern all of a sudden go away then? You know, I just sort of feel like I kind of said to myself, uh, and maybe this is a very privileged thing to think um, with the benefit of like thinking about uh, the world we live in now. But at the time, what I said to myself was, um, you know, the rules, there, there are norms, but there are always people that fall outside those norms. And um, I'm going to act like the rules don't apply to me. And I'm going to, I'm not going to worry about what, what something is. I'm going to be more focused on what I, what I can make it. And so it's sort of uh, just a, I decided that not that I was wrong, but that um, it wasn't going to matter for me. Yeah. That I could make it something else. And I just said, okay, well, well let's, let's, let's put our energy into that rather than worrying about it. It's like, I don't know if you ride bicycles if you ride bikes or something, but if you're, I used to be a big mountain biker. Mm-hmm. And if there's a rock on the trail and you're looking at the rock because you don't want to steer into it, hundred percent guarantee you're going <laughs> to steer into that rock. So if there's something that's worrying you, <laughs> like focus on the place you want to go, not on the problem. And so that's, that's what I did. It's, and it seems to be true at a metaphorical level yeah. as well as the, the sort of literal mountain bike example it's quite interesting because as you say you're very young you know as a 25 26 year old kind of all of a sudden thinking about well when i'm 50 i'm not going to be needed anymore so i need to find somewhere more secure i don't think many well i certainly wasn't thinking like that when i was 25 in industry i don't think many people think like that but i think it's a it's a valid point even today i would say you know you don't see many as you say you don't see many 50 or 60 year old creatives Really, I mean, yeah, you'll see MDs, you'll see CEOs, you'll see presidents, but from a creative perspective, unless you make that transition over, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't really see them. And of course, you there are people who, as you say, you know, buck that, and you know, they're they're sort of the exception. But as a as a rule, it's I think it's a it's it's a fair point even today. You know, um, yeah, yeah, totally. And if you, I mean, it's a, I'd say if you're, is it a fear? Is it still a fear for you? No, maybe only because I've got so many other things. Because <laughs> you're so famous now, it doesn't matter, you know. You, yeah, I, I, I solved that one. I'm <laughs> I'm on to like you know uh, preschool. I'm worried about preschool. All right. Yeah. 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 Me too. You know, more um, not trivial, but more um, banal, less existential things. Yeah. How, how? What are we? Do? What am I going to feed these kids for dinner? That, that's where my anxiety is located. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I'm with you on that one. Um, so interestingly, so okay, now you go back to Sudler. What's your portfolio looking like at this point? It's terrible, <laughs> terrible. Still, <laughs> I had I had the I had the worst portfolio forever. Um, I think I did a couple things at Sudler which I felt good about. I remember there was a pitch uh, for a anxiety product that um, we didn't win, but we had an idea. Kent Wilkinson, a very, a very talented uh, art director, 
we were working together. We had this idea um, of somebody holding a um, a young woman, like blow drying her hair in the morning. And the way she was holding the blow dryer, it sort of evoked the idea of putting uh, a, a gun to your head and committing suicide. Oh, yeah. And the strategy of the product was like about early intervention. Don't let it get to here. Mm. And so this is, we had this idea for this image. And um, I, I remember I wrote this headline, which uh, I really liked at the time. Now I think it's totally unclear, but the, the poet and me really liked it. Mm. The headline was act before okay isn't, mm. which is cryptic, mm. which I, mm. I, 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 t- I tend to be fond of. I like things that require uh, the audience participation to create the meaning. I think if you spoon feed mm. things, I feel like they're not memorable. They don't remember. They're unrewarding. Mm. And there is a, um, a reward and excitement that people feel when they help create the meaning of the communication. Um, like they just do that last yeah. little bit of work and it, it, the work becomes so much more powerful for it. But anyway, we, I had that in there um, and I felt, I was, I was like, I've got a good one. That's how I felt at the yeah. time. And I, I, got, I got to work on uh, Orbit's gum for dental hygienists. And it felt, the work wasn't great, but it felt at least like consumery and kind of interesting. And that had a lot of terrible stuff. Were you still doing your poetry on the side? Yeah, at that time, probably. I, th- I think so. Although, you know, as... Um, work and my passion for advertising um, sort of continued to increase and increase and the outlets for writing and creative thinking and the mediums available to us seem to increase over time in advertising that it's almost like a zero sum game. Like as that increased my own personal writing for a long time went down and I brought it, I brought it back in brought it back in uh, a couple of years ago but um at that time I was writing but there was a long period where I wasn't interestingly at that time did you see your role as a real creative outlet or was it literally just a, a job where you had the odd moment of you know m- creative moments but it was just really a, a means to an end it's <sighs> a great question um i did not look at the job as fulfilling a creative ambition of mine i sort of had this idea the reality is i'm going to have to work i will be happier working if i'm doing something that at least has the opportunity mm-hmm. for creativity and i think in that i um i discovered that like i love to solve problems mm-hmm you know, um, and there's lots of kinds of problems and lots of ways to solve problems in advertising. And the creative work is maybe the final or the most visible part of a solution. But there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of just troubles and challenges that need, you know, nuts that need cracking along the way or that are related. And so I got a lot of satisfaction in like solving things um and i was really excited that i got to do that um using like the language of advertising for some of those problems and some of it it was a language of strategy uh or you know how are we going to convince this person to this some of it was just like the language of persuasion 
but I kind of grew to like all of those problems um, and the medium in which they, they all get solved and they kind of all do something different for me. Cool. Okay. Then what happens? Yeah. Uh, I'm a restless person. So I, I, th- I feel like, I, you know, just maybe, maybe I hit an expiration date and I felt like I had been there for a while. Three and a half out of like four years. And um, so I, le- I, I left. I said, I need to do something different. And, um, you know, I, I had a couple conversations with some different agencies. And I went to, I ended up going to Agency RX, which is now DDB Health. Mm. And um, I, I kind of felt like, oh, maybe I could do something more here. I didn't know what more meant, more ambitious, maybe, but like I, I could learn something new. I can do something different. I can test myself. I can, you know, swim out too far from the shore and see if I can not sink, you know, and I had it really good at Sudler. I, I really liked the people. They liked me and it was a very safe environment. I think part of me wondered, is this luck? is this working out because I've stumbled into a rare situation where I'm fortunate that the people like me and, and, and I like them, or is some of this luck created? Is there something be here beyond just luck? Am I doing something? And I didn't know the answer to that. And that was, that was a little scary. So I said, I, I I'm going to try, I'm going to go somewhere else and we'll see what happens. So I went to Agency RX, uh, and I was really excited to work with Michael Schreiber, who was like this, had a huge reputation, um, and just, you know, very sort of um, charismatic, uh, sort of just like him in and of himself, you know, and, and I remember sitting, and I was, I was very excited to to work with somebody like that, that felt creative just in in their person he felt creative and it felt like there were creative ambitions and it felt like there was the potential to do more creative work and that was all very exciting um and i remember sitting in his office in the interview section you know they're making the rounds saying to him i want your job one day and i was like not your job your job i you i want you to have your job but i want a job like yours you know i'm not i'm not here to take your job but i was trying to express uh, my, my aspirations. Mm. And he was kind of in, he was kind of into that. And I, and I was into that. I was into him being into that. And so I went there and worked there for a while. Out of interest. I'm just want to sort of pick yeah. this apart a little bit. Was that the, maybe the first moment where you kind of thought I've got a goal and I've got a direction. I might've got some of your story that I might've got the wrong end of the stick here, but I sort of feel like you're sort of just floating along and you're kind of just you know maybe a little bit unsure in terms of where 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 you belong or where where your career is or who you are i mean did you ever i mean was that at that moment where you thought that's where i want to be or did you always have that but maybe you just didn't realize it um i don't think you've missed it at all i i think i wasn't sure what i wanted i i think i knew that whatever i did i wanted to be I'm very achievement 
driven. Um, I wanted to be to do something that I could be exceptional at, or as exceptional as I could be at something. You know, I, I wanted to be great at something. I wanted to do things that were exciting and memorable. And you know, I, I, it sounds so silly. I, I kind of wanted to be somebody. Yeah. To myself. Yeah. You know, like forget other people. That's cool. But I wanted to feel have that sense, my own sense of having done something, not having just simply passed the time and collected a, a paycheck. And I think that's part of why the creative part, the creativity is so important to me because you're constantly making things or, or striving or attempting to make things. And it feels like you're always, it's maybe an illusion, but it feels like um, forever on the cusp of uh, something great that could Maybe change your own life. Maybe it could change the world. Maybe it could change one person's mm. life that sees it, mm. and that's that. That's exciting, and it and it can make um, work that sometimes is trivial feel enormously important. It, it really imbues it with, um, for me at least, meaning. And so, at a certain point, I said, you know, whatever I do, I want to. I want. I, I want to be a part of the people that are the vanguard of that thing. Yeah. Where we're, we're driving it forward and shaping it. And that was abstract, but very, it's sort of an abstract idea about what I wanted to do, but very clear. And like, sort of, I fell into this after a couple of false starts with advertising, which I feel like were more contextual. I, I fell into understanding that this is where I'm going to do that. I'm really just, and now, and now I'm all in. And I think you're right. That was the turning point. But it's such a great, it's great for you to say that because I think a lot of people who reach your level and who reach your status, who perhaps don't know your backstory. I mean, you just make an assumption that well, that person always knew that they wanted to be there and they sort of drove, you know, a thousand percent to get there. And they always had that focus from the very beginning. And I think for most people, actually, it's okay not to know <laughs> what, you know, where you really want to be and, and having that time to find yourself. And one of the lessons that I've just got from you, and so it's some, interestingly that something told, somebody told me when I was starting out in my career and they said, you always know you're in the right place if you're working for somebody that you ultimately want to be. And the moment you're in a place mm -hmm. where you're, you're, you're not in a place where you're like, well, I, I would, you know, I don't want to give my right arm to be like you then you know you have to leave as it's just a really great litmus test. And almost, it almost feels yeah. like, I mean, that's why I do these podcasts really, because there are lots of people at the start of their careers who are listening to this, who, who could probably relate to many of the incidences that you're going through and, you know, our other guests go through, but also finding, you know, the almost connecting the dots of maybe how they, you know, make their next move or whether they're in the right place or not. It's just really interesting hearing other people's, you know, stories. And it's taken, it almost feels like it's taken you quite a, a few, a number of years actually to realize that when you get to Agency RX that you really want to be, you know, your, this person who's, who's your creative director. And maybe if you'd had that, you know, earlier on, it might have been slightly more fulfilling and you might have maybe, you know, got a better portfolio quicker. I don't know. I'm spitballing with you. I I, I I think I think that's very perceptive, and I think that's a great way of thinking about it. I, I hear a lot of a lot of truth in that. You know, I mean, I don't know how you feel. I'm still wondering what I'm going to be when I grow up. I feel like life is a you know you have a destination 
but you, I, you don't have a destination. Maybe you have like a direction. Yeah. You're constantly like tacking this way and that. But uh, the idea that you're not in the right place if there aren't people that you're like really excited. Yeah. Uh, to to become or to work with, then then maybe you're not in the right place if those people aren't present. I think there's truth to that because you can find friends anywhere you work, but that doesn't. And I don't want to discount that, but that doesn't mean that um, you could leave and still be friends with them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. But there, there's for me, there's an aspirational, very identity based part of work. Um, maybe that's because of the absence of religion in so many of our lives. I've read that, mm. that, you know, work is a new religion, but it is, it's enormously important. Uh, we get a lot of meaning from it. And if it's not feeling meaningful and the people mm. aren't sort of like providing that, um, that aspiration, yeah, maybe you're not in the right place in this time. And that's a signal to, yeah. Okay. Sorry, we died. We sort of um, went a bit deep there. So, <laughs> so how was always happy? To. Uh, yeah. Well, we we can go we can go deep whenever you want. Um, yeah. So, how was it? How was Agency RX? Was it everything you you thought it was going to be? Yeah, nowhere is no. You know, it, it was great. I learned a lot. Um, you know, they they put an enormous amount of trust in me, and I was able to do. And try lots of things there, you know. I'm launching a brand. Didn't know what that was. I it was the first time I, I I grew a like sort of a mini group, a team, a couple teams, bunch of brands. What were you actually? Sorry, I forgot to ask. What what role? What, what position did you go into the agency as? I th- I um. You know, this is interesting. Everybody, whenever they get a, whenever they move now, it seems like everybody gets a promotion. Uh, I have almost always done lateral moves. People, I guess, they don't want to take, they don't think I can do the next thing. And I sometimes I try to convince them, but um, you know, in the in the sort of like arcane hierarchy of pharma healthcare titles, I was a, um, I started as a group copy supervisor. Okay. You know, and I was promoted at some point to a VP group copy supervisor, which felt important. And then I was promoted to like a VP ACD, which felt important. You know, they always they always feel important. So I, I was kind of like middle, middle-ish. Uh, but, you know, they were cool. It was like a young place and um, they were cool giving resp- a lot of responsibility to me. And... Um, you know, I, I learned a lot. Um, I did a ton of pitching, a ton, a ton, a ton of pitching there. I became really embedded in the pitching machine. And um, that taught me a lot about business. Just that was a great education in terms of, you know, uh, the lifeblood of advertising agencies, which is new business, replacing accounts, yeah. growing. Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about managing and, um, you know, you learn about things you don't want to learn about also like, uh, working till two in the morning for four months straight. I was like, okay, I, I definitely got some lessons from that. What was that? Was that, was that seven days a week or just five days a week or what? Oh, I don't know. We, we had a very, there was a client who represented across, you know, we worked on like seven of their brands 
and they represented a huge amount of the agency's revenue and we were launching one of them and it, it was a particularly um the personalities involved were particularly challenging you know we were forever getting it wrong yeah and not having enough time um and so it was just one of these things that just kind of went on in perpetuity um but you know you're I remember being in my office and being like, holy crap, I've got to write the whole vis aid today. Okay, I'm going to put on music. I'm going to put on my sunglasses and I'm going to like, you know, go into some kind of altered state and just ten, come up for air in 10 hours and have at least something that we can talk to the client about tomorrow, even if it's not right or, or not final. Just out of interest, because obviously we're sort of, well, I mean, I'm in the UK and obviously you're in the US. And even though we're both in the same, industry i think the work culture in the states is 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 you know very different here i'm not saying we don't work hard <laughs> over in london or we don't pull late nighters or anything like that but i think when you compare like for like you know the states is a, a very much a, a work a workaholic mentality we do have it over here but i think you guys are on a sort of another level you know how how out yeah. of interest like how do you do it like how do you get yourself mentally through you know working 18 hours a day or 24 hours a day and how do you then manage other people that you're meant to be responsible for how do you do that you know it's funny um i'm like a don't don't i really 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 believe in people taking time off and in not working these hours because i I don't think it is productive. I think, you know, you just reach a point where the simplest thing takes you 10 times the amount of time it should. Um, and so uh, I agree. I think we work like crazy and I would love for us to work less, you know? Um, so, I mean, my goal is always to have without anybody I work with to provide as much support for them so that they're not, doing that and um and like telling them you're taking time off stop or like stepping in and, and, and helping and i think i don't know maybe at the end of the day um yeah maybe i'm not talented enough to work like super 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 hard and i feel like my i tell my my wife that my greatest skill is just sort of like total being totally unrelenting and i was just like i will just I have great stamina. I will work harder. I'll work longer and I will get it done because I'm not able to compromise on the output and I can't get smarter or I can't get faster and I can't, you know, you can learn tricks, mm -hmm. but there, there is some sort of threshold of just that you can't, that no matter the experience uh, you have or the amount of people you surround yourself with, you know, you, um, you cannot surpass, you can optimize, but maybe you, there, there's a limit what you can do and so i said like well i'm just going to i'll just put more time in in the time we have mm. to get to, to get there and that is um just the way i go about it and uh, it's not something i ask of other people um and it's something i i often actually try to hide because i think it sets a bad example mm. i don't want that to be the, the standard you know and it's sort of like we each have our own way of working and if you can do it in half the time i can i mm. I'm, 
I'm going to kind of hate you a little bit because I'm yeah. going to be really envious. Yeah, yeah. But like, you should not, you should not increase that amount of time by a minute if you're getting there. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where we are in your story now. I've lost track. <laughs> so um, we're, yeah. You know, agents, agency RX. <laughs> there, I was there for a couple of years. You learn something. Then I went to area 23. How is your portfolio at agency RX when you leave it? How is it? You know, it's getting incrementally better, <laughs> incrementally better. Uh, I had, I had, I had a couple. I had, you know, you just get lucky sometimes. And I had a couple things in it that we um, we won some like innovation Clios for, and I had some other stuff. So I, I don't think it was great, but I had work. Yeah, there was one. There was when there was times I had nothing. I had stuff I could like show you. Here's a portfolio of creative work. So, uh, you know, some of it, some RX awards, I got some Clio's. I was really, really uh, proud of those. I, and, you know, and I think I didn't know it, but at the time we had done some like cool experiential activation kind of stuff. We were working in a lot of non-traditional formats, not not because it was like some kind of like we found a way around like the the guardians of the print ad. But just we were that's just how our thinking was forming, and um, I guess it I guess it showed at least okay because um, it was good enough to get me my next my next job, you know. So it, it, it was getting it was getting better. If I if I still had that portfolio, I'd be very concerned. <laughs> but um, I feel like holy crap. But uh, I hadn't stagnated, so that 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 felt good. Okay, so how did Area 23 come about? Did they approach you or did you apply for that role? You know, Dave Adler, who was uh, who ended up being my partner at that time, he had kind of reached out to me with a very cryptic one-sentence email. I don't know, you know. <laughs> On that day, I noticed and I responded. You just thought it was in. a poem, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, I like <laughs> remarkable, one remarkable brevity. <laughs> this is my kind of my kind of art director um so you know and i had known of i had known of tim because uh he had like randomly emailed me a couple times like at those like two in the morning when i was in the office doing that some of that so you know what i'd write back and i was like i'm not looking at the time but um i kind of knew who he was what year is this now what year is this 2013 okay Oh, and I think I, I really knew him because he had done an ad at the time for uh, some rare disease, a lung thing. I should know what it is. Um, uh, and he had gotten the word sucks in the headline. It was like this, you know, like yeah. um, this. It wasn't asthma, but it was like asthma sucks. And then like little type the life right out of you. And I was like, this guy's a genius. He, he got a former client to say this disease sucks. Wow. It just, you know, the copywriter in me was just like uh, incredibly impressed. Uh, I was like, whoa, that's really, really cool. If only I could say a bad word in a headline <laughs> one day. Um, so I had, I do a little bit about him and he seemed, seemed kind of cool uh, for that reason alone. I don't know. And I had an interview with him and it was like a three hour interview. Really? Really? Oh, it was, I mean, what just you and him? I, 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 yeah, I really got off on it. 
I really, I, I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> you know, come in. You have to present case. This is to be an ACD, by the way. Right, right. Uh, you're going to have to present case studies. I'm going to need to see two case studies. How did you solve this creative, this strategy challenge? I want an example where you were instrumental in developing the strategy that drove the blop, blah, blah, and, you know, and this thing and that thing. And I, I, I came with like, it was like going to a pitch, you know, and I had, I had it slide decks to tell stories of things and i had my portfolio and he really grilled the hell out of me and um i loved it i loved it i was just like wow so so rigorous like i I felt like he i could instantly tell i think innately although i did not say it to myself at this time um this guy's standards and just the intensity that he is bringing to this it's just like off the charts compared to anything I've seen. Yeah. And I didn't say it to myself that way. I just was like, whoa, that was like, I, I love just the the passion. I knew I liked that. Yeah. The passion, the yeah. intensity that was both creative, but extremely intellectual, extremely intellectual as well. Just interrogating the hell out of everything. And uh, I don't know. I, I like that. And so I was like, oh, okay. I think I can, I think, I think I can one, I, I connect with that. Um, and two, this is going to be different. I think I'm going to learn something. Yeah. So I so I ended up doing that, and I worked there for three, or three and a half years, and that was, I think that's the main, you know, in a, a career where you're sort of always, you know, nothing's a straight line. You're learning something. You're tacking this way. You're tacking that. I think that was probably the main inflection point. That first go around was maybe the main inflection point for me in my in my career, just in terms of mental expansion. How intimidating was it when you first started? Because it almost feels like until you got to you know agency RX, where there maybe there was all of a sudden a bit more of a challenge, yeah. and and now all of a sudden you're in this you know area twenty three, and and Tim's just totally blown your mind. Were you intimidated yeah. or, or was it just another, you know, well, this will be fine. We'll give it a go, another go. No. Well, you know, it wasn't, I'd probably be intimidated as hell today. It was not in the area 23 of 2013 is not the area 23 of yeah. 2021, you know, we, um, a huge amount of aspiration, huge amount of desire, but like, and they had done some, cool stuff that I would like that was on the walls that seemed just better and more creative mm. in like subtle, subtle ways than work I had been around. And so you could tell the bar, you could tell instantly the bar was different, but um, it wasn't like walking in and being like, there's all this to live up to. No, it was more like you've, you don't, you don't have to live up to this. You just have to buy into a certain goal yeah, or, or a, a standard really, or a level of passion or a level of commitment. It was more, so it, it wasn't, and that was easy for me. So it wasn't intimidating in that regard because there were no trophies. Mm-hmm. There were, these things didn't exist. It was all in front of us and it was actually just, um, do you want those same things? Yeah. You were building and if it. You did. Yeah. yeah. And if you did, that's great. You were, and it was small agency, you know, or smaller than it is now. It was, I feel like it was maybe 70 people. Oh, right. Really? You know, 
I, I was managing, I started there managing one, I was on one brand of managing like one person. Um, and he hated me. <laughs> <laughs> he hated, he, I won't say his name. He hated me. Uh, a, a very smart guy. I think he just felt like he should have had the job and he probably was hey. at least from an intellectual standpoint, totally capable of it. But, um, so it, it wasn't big. There wasn't a lot to learn in terms of like navigating an organization and there weren't, there weren't these projects that you're just like, well, what's our next fill in the blank? You know, yeah. what's our next such and such. It was just like, you just you're here. And if you're willing to hustle and, work like hell to make something happen, then you didn't have anything to be intimidated. And you were, you, it almost feels like you are a natural hustler as well. Like you're very resourceful from your story. It feels like you're a very re- resourceful person, you know, very in the moment as well. So maybe it was the perfect environment for you to, to grow as the agency was all equally growing at the same time. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, you're right. In many ways it was a perfect fit because it, it took a um and it still does you know it, creativity is an all-encompassing concept it's not something you put in just put into a film mm. or into an activation into a product idea you know creativity is it's a whole way of being it's how are you selling how are you getting the client to do this thing how are you creating an opportunity to do something? How are you solving the barriers that are keeping you from doing something you want to do? How are you, what's your angle to win the pitch to get the business to do the work that it will hopefully, that you'll hopefully have an incredible idea for? Creativity is something, it's, it's, a, it's a unifying theory uh, and nothing escapes it. It's kind of like hack, hacker mentality yeah. in some way. It's not creative work, although it, it sure as hell better be. It is a creative mindset that you apply to the entire world you live in. And, and yeah, and that comes with energy. Oh, totally. I mean, you can see the, the success that the agency's had. It's clearly, it, it, it's a lot of hard work has obviously gone into that. So you said that you were there for three and a half years and then you, you went to Click, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, we had I had done work at Area 23 that at the time felt, tremendously breakthrough and like we had un unlocked like a new way of doing pharma advertising that is what it felt like mm-hmm. it, that sounds extraordinarily um full of oneself um and i don't know that i feel that way now but it, it did sort of portend a new way of thinking about work but at the time it felt like we had broken through into mm-hmm a new way of doing something. And that was, you know, maybe the project that most signified that to me at the time was the free killer tan project, which was a hundred percent hustle, uh, you know, no money eh, with huge results. And like, oh, this is the funeral print parlor. Advertising. This is the funeral parlor. Yeah. yeah that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's, that's, yeah. that, that's right. And, um, you know, that was, it. that was extraordinary. And then we had done other work that we've kind of been able to capture that momentum and keep going and, um, you know, I, I don't know. I was looking around and feeling like I had learned so much in the three and a half years. And um, if there's something that really scares me or drives me in life these days, it's just doing something again, mm. you know, do it again. 
it's all pressure and no um, no juice. I'm like the the challenge of repetition is incredibly dull to me. You're just trying to recapture a thing that you've done and hopefully you do it at the same level. And I was, so I was kind of like, huh, I wonder what, and it was just very short-sighted, but I'm just reflecting how I was feeling at the time. I was feeling like, I don't know what the next challenge for me is. It's, I mean, the work could have been a lot better. It's got a lot better. So I don't know how that eluded me, but um, I was worried that I was kind of like, I feel like the challenge is, okay, can we do it again? And I was, well, I was uninspired. Was uninspired by the idea of repetition, and you know, I was maybe feeling like there wasn't a lot of room for me to grow in the agency at that time. I also got that got that wrong, but that's how I was feeling. It felt like you know, I'd been promoted a couple times, and I was, um, which was which was great. I really I really appreciated what I thought was the fair recognition of what I was so doing. So what were you um, before you left? Well, I like, you know, God, SVP creative director. Okay. And I was co-running, I was co-running a group that had like a lot of accounts and a lot of people in it with David, with Dave Adler. And uh, we had some great accounts that we could do great work on. We had some accounts that we were trying to do great work on. Then we had some accounts that we were trying to make the clients happy on. You know, but it didn't feel like there was a lot of room to grow other than like get more accounts, do more work. And I kind of like that all felt like more of the same. And I was like, well, what am I going to learn by just getting doing this job, but just yeah. going wider and wider? And so I was kind of thinking about that. And um, this company I'd never heard of reached out to me and, um, I got to talking to them and this is click and what they wanted me to do was something insane that I was, that I'd never done. Uh, what do you mean it was insane? And I, they're like, Hey, we're like a digital, we are a digital focused company. We are headquartered in Toronto. We have people elsewhere, but we don't have any offices elsewhere. And we want to, we want to change who we are. We don't want to get rid of any of what we are doing right now. We think it's amazing. But we want to go from like digital specialists, like repack, you know, being very good at CRM and sort of the more tech aspects of the business and be trusted with big AOR accounts, you know, big ideas, um, sort of conceptually driven work. And you know, they want to essentially be an AOR uh, and lots of other things. And so I was brought into... This is like where they were looking for someone to help lead that transformation on the creative side. Is that as in ECD then? Uh, so this was, um, I think my title was uh, Chief Creative Officer. Oh, wow. So really, really right at top, top of the tree. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're kind of like, <laughs> fuck it. It's a, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. They're, they're like, it, it, it's a title. You know, if it makes them, I didn't ask for it, but they were like, if it makes them more likely to come, I'm sure they'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know, because it's funny when I left and came back, Tim had said to me at the time, you know, they had the only thing that is, that was worse than a bad creative reputation, which is no creative reputation, which meant that hiring was really hard and getting clients was really hard. And I think um, they felt like it was a fair carrot to like entice somebody over, I think, 
you know, we didn't have that conversation. I'm just yeah. speculating. But it was a huge jump for me, as was working in uh, a, the company was lar- very large at the time. It was like 700 people. Wow. It's much larger now. And yeah, so it was a very, it was a very big jump for me. And um, it was thing, all things I was totally unqualified to do. Except maybe the idea of pushing the work. So, what you went? Did you have to go to Toronto, or did they have a New York office? This is really this was the hardest part of my career. Is that for the first four months I was there, I went to Toronto four to five days a week, and would go there. Whoa! Live in a hotel, um, learn the company culture, meet the people, try to build relationships, figure out what was going on. And this is a very idiosyncratic company. It's not a traditional agency. And so there is, you can't like take your playbook from any of the other agencies I worked at and go, I understand the architecture of this organization. It truly did not apply. And if you use that, you would actually be problematic. So I did that. And I had like a six month old son at home, newborn at home. And so this was this was really really hard on me. It was really hard on the family. It was really hard on my wife um, in particular. And uh, you know, as I should have anticipated. Um, but ultimately, after doing that, I transitioned to a more New York based role, and ultimately ended up opening an agency or a, an office in New York, hiring people, creatives, project management, strategy, account, and. Um, servicing like meaningful, meaningful business out of there and then pitching and winning business too. And trying to do good work and bring people in and that people that wanted to do the kinds of work I wanted to do. Out of interest. So you've got this Mm -hmm. CCO role. I know it's just a title and titles clearly don't matter to you. So I can, and I'm the same by the way, which is great. You, you earlier said that, you know, when you were, um, agency rx that you, all of a sudden it was the first time that you saw somebody that you wanted to be right now you are at the top whether you you know title or, or not you're at the top creatively like you know <laughs> you're the tim hawkey mm-hmm. of click now yeah really and was there a moment where you thought i'm that person god no no <laughs> i was i was uh, <laughs> One of my, I am always working on tr- t- finding the, the stillness to appreciate the, uh, the successes we have in life. I'm very bad about that. I think I maybe had like two seconds when it was like, they offered me the job and I was like, yes. And then instantly transitioned into, I'm on the clock. And I, I think this was a very immature mindset and I would approach it differently, but, um, and in this mindset has its downsides, but it did have its upsides as well. Um, I felt a tremendous amount of pressure to deliver a new kind of work that was going to put us on the map very fast because I felt like I need to convince people to come to this company to work with me. I need to, you know, and I can sell them on a vision for now. I can tell them on the place I want to make it. I can talk about the things I've done. Um, I can talk about what I want us to become, what I want this place to become, who we're going to surround ourselves with, why this, 
is a special environment that maybe that they should spend some of their life here with me doing this thing. It's a big decision for a lot of people. But um, at a certain point, you're either doing these things or you're not. And you can't sell the vision anymore. You go like, hey, talk, talk about it all you want. Enough time's gone by. If you haven't done it, maybe you're not going to. So I, I felt that pressure from day one that we had to deliver work that that proved this was possible and that not only would that we would do it, but that we were. That we what are. was the time frame that you gave yourself? Now. Yeah. Now. Yeah, not helpful. That's what it was. Um, and then I got lucky and, you know, we created some opportunities and I felt like I managed to actually do it. That maybe inside of a year we had in the, in the can, out in the world, work that I said, that's what we're about. That, you know, we, that's, that's what we're doing. That's, that's just, the, 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 just the very beginning of what's to come. You know, just to pick apart, not pick apart, but just dig a little bit deeper into the yeah. point. I've had this conversation with many people when they first get the the top creative director or chief creative officer role, and they've gone yeah, into what do they say? So this is interesting, right? They they'll always and generally most stories when you've gone into a healthcare specialist agency. Most of them, you know, at the time that you're talking about, perhaps didn't have the creative reputation you know, and they wanted to build it because everyone feels the same. I think your story does reflect with many people going into that role for the first time, the expectation, the pressure, you know, you are the last stop. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if it all goes wrong, you're the throat to choke. And if it goes well, it's a team effort. Well done. But when you ask this question to people and you go, well, how long did you give yourself? And the majority of people will actually and I don't agree with this, by the way, but it's a perspective. It's not to say that I'm right or they're wrong or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just a perspective. And they've always said, well, at least two years, you know, you give yourself time to, to check it all out and you take your time and you build and all those sorts of things. And you're the first person, I just thought I'd share this with you, who's, who's basically <laughs> said, no, now, now, now. And I, I, can, share, I can share a story that will, will kind of maybe reinforce your story because I'm with you on your your perspective. I had I was really fortunate um, years and years and years ago. Um, I I don't know if you remember, but Can had a competition. It was maybe 2000. How old was I? I can't remember. It was about 10, 11 years ago. They had a competition. They were going to give a uh, Crispin Porter. Bogowski were going to give, or MDC, sorry, the network that owns them. Yeah. MDC were going to give a million dollars to uh, um, a bunch of people to start up a new type of agency. So a friend of mine who I used to work with at the time, Faisal, he was like, have you seen this? And I was like, yeah. yeah. He was like, should we do it? And I was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know how to write a business plan or anyway, whatever cut a long story short we put something together we sent it off and about a, a two weeks later of sending it off i get a phone i'm literally at the agency right that i'm working in at the time mm -hmm. i'm in a farmer agency by the way <laughs> and uh I get yeah. a phone call and it's chuck porter and he goes wow he goes shaheed and i was like hello he goes it's chuck and i'm, I'm you know it doesn't connect chuck is chuck porter and he goes, um, he goes, I love your idea. 
I was like, oh, great. And he goes, can we set up a Skype call, you know, next week or so? And I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't even know what Skype was back then, quite frankly. No one used Skype really back then. <laughs> and anyway, we tried to set up a Skype call and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. It didn't work on that day. And we're like, you know, sort of text messaging. Still doesn't. It still doesn't. It's yeah. still rubbish, isn't it? Anyway, he then goes, right, this is rubbish. He goes, I'm going to send out, I'm going to send you and Faisal some airplane tickets and you're going to come out next Monday and you're going to come and meet us and you're going to chat to the president of MDC, myself and our talent people. Oh, this is tremendous. So so what happens? So you go to, you go to see Chuck. <laughs> so we go out there and they put us up in the Hard Rock Cafe. I think it was the Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square. And, you know, we sort of, we arrive, Faisal and myself, and we've got this business plan and we've got our ideas. And, and I remember it was like um, the morning before we were meant to be going out and meeting them for lunch somewhere. And I was, we were just looking at each other go, what are we doing? Like, what on earth are we doing here? This is crazy. So anyway, we go, we sort of wander out and we, we go and find this really, this, this place, it's really fancy bar. And we go in there and we meet Chuck and we meet um, the president. I can't remember his name and the HR person. I mean, Chuck Porter, legend, right? So it's like he was the only person we really were looking at. And we were there for about three and a half hours. Anyway, he said, he said, you know, he said, there's, there's, there's only sort of one bit of advice that I'd give anyone starting out uh, either their own agency or when you go into a position where you're going to basically transform the whole thing. And he said, yeah. you don't realize, but he goes, the moment you start, there's a countdown. And he said, you've got six months. And he said, you, you've got to do whatever you can in the first six months to make your mark. And he goes, it doesn't matter how you do it. <laughs> he said, if you're not working at an agent, you know, your own agency, go get a charity, go get someone, do it for free. But you need to hit the headlines. And he said, the moment you hit the headlines, he said, then you've got another six months and you have to follow it up. It's like your second album. And he said, once you do that and it's successful, he goes, everything else just works itself out and you're absolutely fine. But those that year, the first six months and the sort of second half of that are absolutely critical. And he said, what I'll tell you, he said, if you don't do that, nothing, nothing that is in your head will happen after that. So anyway, it was a, it was an amazing. Wow like amazing me i've never do you know what even to this day i've never been so nervous i remember my even when i yeah even getting married i don't think i was that nervous but i mean i remember my heart was about to like leap out of my chest before walking through the doors yeah but but you i just thought i'd share that with you because chuck porter completely agrees with your perspective so yeah. i just thought that was really I, fair for me to share <laughs> that i mean i i feel um I want to know. I want to know what happened with the, how that story ends. Uh, oh, but I feel it's um, another podcast. Yeah, yourself. You, okay, okay. You can tell me off. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously we I, didn't I, win I, it. I, I, we obviously didn't win it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tried. Try, okay. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Uh, uh, Sorry. But but it, but but it, but but you didn't win it in grand fashion, maybe. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't know that because I didn't need any more. I mean, I'm glad to hear it affirmed. But like, my God, I didn't. I didn't need any more pressure. I, I think I, I almost killed myself with that amount of yeah, self-generated yeah. pressure. But, uh, well, I guess there's someone else out there that thinks the same way. 
okay, well, I think it's time for another shout out. Um, this time from a brilliant production house uh, called The Operators. And they have just launched a brand new website and they've got a ton of work uh, that features loads of film, loads of photographic work and loads of really cool animations that span between healthcare and consumer brands. And I was actually checking it out the other day and I must say there's some really cool stuff on there. And I, I really enjoyed looking at a piece of work called Bacteria Culture. Um, I won't give it away, but it's absolutely brilliant. And there's a wonderful uh, behind the scenes uh, case study. And uh, I really thoroughly recommend um, anyone who's interested in CGI, animation, and bacteria to, to definitely check it out. And you can see all their work at theoperators.net. So you're at Click. So you open the New York. Yeah, we did it. Uh-huh. Higher. You know, this was crazy. This was, um, this was like teaching an advertising agency how to be in advertising because they, they weren't really an advertising agency. This was like a, almost like a, yeah, like a Silicon Valley mindset, which comes with a tremendous amount of advantages um, or benefits rather. Yeah. But, um, you know, the basics of advertising even like financial infrastructure, um, all kinds of things. They just didn't know it. So I find, I found myself, I did every single job, including negotiating, um, contracts with like the printers, meaning like, are we going to get a Xerox or a Canon in here? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I don't have huge opinions about like the, about the printer <laughs> does it work you know doing that stuff like wow. thinking about like the snack closet um wow you know and i think as well as we've got to pitch work we've got to win work we have to do amazing work i have to we have to talk about how much things cost we have to talk about uh how much time we need teaching to teach the agency how to be the thing we wanted to be to import people that already knew how to do that, and then to convince other people to let us do it for them. That's that was a big, that was a big big job that I learned. Um, I'm very thankful for because I, I learned in, in more in those two years about maybe not about creativity, but because uh, I feel like I got a lot of those lessons at Area 23. But I learned a little more about being a um, creative business leader in those two years. That was a, that was a huge uh, priceless education on on the importance of, yeah, how do you run the business? The importance of culture. How do you build the culture? Um, You know, what are the good things you can do? What are the things you can do to really fuck it up? What are the things that you can do to fuck it up? Um, Yeah, I think it's all about follow through. You know, I think if you tell people something, they will believe you until you don't do it. And then after that, you can tell them again and do it. And it's kind of like, okay, fine. You did it. I wonder if you'll do it next time. You know, Mm. trust in whatever it is, is enormously, enormously fragile. Um, And it's, I find it's a hundred percent, not hundred percent, but it's hugely predicated on, on follow through. It's just, you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And 
it's not just the big things. It's like the really small, trivial things. Did you say you were going to have a happy hour? You need to have that happy hour. And no one's going to remind you. Yeah. People are just going to see if it happens. You, you know, um, just that level of personal accountability for absolutely everything. And it's really easy to feel, to start prioritizing things and to feel like, well, that, uh, yeah, I said it, but that one didn't really matter. Well, we'll do this thing instead. And I'm taking care of the big things. And it's like, if you said you're going to do it, it needs to happen. And if it's not going to happen, you need to get out in front of it beforehand and say why, you know, and um, you can't ever think that these things aren't being watched because they are by, by everybody. And they've learned more from what you do follow through on and what you don't follow through on than anything else. And that tells them everything they need to know about how much they can trust you about the place they work. Um, it's, 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 it's everything. And I think I underappreciated that, you know, I had a lot of ambitions mm. and, um, you know, maybe I bit off a little bit more than I can chew, but I did not have perfect follow through on everything. And, um, you know, you, you, you just have to, de- you just have to deal with that. But, um, it, it was not clear to me how important that was beforehand. I might have got the wrong end of the stick here. There's a huge amount of pressure on your shoulders when you're sharing that story. It feels like it was a very intense and stressful, but a great learning experience too. How do you, how does somebody cope with that stress? Yeah, I mean, I, I internalize it. I stuff it down. That's my, no, I, you know, I don't know. You try, it's funny. I think this is just like the follies of youth in some way. All the things that you would do to cope with it require you to make time for those things. Exercise, step away from the work, you know, disconnect and recharge yourself. Keep, pull back and take a bigger perspective. And I did the hundred percent opposite of all of those things. It's just lean in more burrow deeper you know Um, i'm gonna commit everything i have to making this a possibility uh this possibility a reality and um you can be effective that way but i don't know that you but it may come with a there may be a timestamp on that i remember i had lunch with somebody uh and he'd, he'd show up and First thing he says, he says, God, you look like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, friend. (laughs) Thank you, friend. Um, And so I think, you know, I think you just, um, you know, as as with that day where I had those three interviews and I felt like my career hung in the balance that day, the career I didn't even have yet was going to be stillborn. That's how I felt on that day. I think I... Maybe I have a habit of like making the stakes very high internally for myself. But I I felt like if I did not make these things happen, that if I wasn't able to produce work there that I could be proud of, that I wasn't able to bring the business in, that um, I would have nothing to show for my time mm. there. And it would be viewed as if anybody's watching, but that it would be viewed as a failure and it, Everything that I had had done, the narrative would be, well, he could only do it at Area 23. Yeah. And I was hugely scared of that. Just debt and like maybe, maybe worried if it was true. 
I don't know, you know? And so to me, it was worth at the time, any amount of effort to be able to step back and say, no, not true. To anybody that that was that might be paying attention, not and be able to say it to myself and and know it, you know. And so um, deal with the pressure. You just just live in it, you know. Bad strategy. It's just what I. It's just what I did. And I think had I had that job now, you know, as I'm approaching a new one, I think I probably would have maybe brought the same level of ambition, but have been able to find internally a little bit of objective distance from things and to be a little bit more of an operator, a little bit savvier and less, and less just pure energy and intensity. Cause I think that was the approach I had there. And um, I think you can dial that down as long as you offset it with savviness, experience, wisdom, being canny, cagey. Um, and hopefully I can do that in, in the next one because um, I don't want to, approach another job the way I did that one. We were successful, but um, I did it two years, you know, and um, I didn't leave because I was burned out. Uh, You know, we had some, I left because I felt like I could do, I'd done all that I could do in the context Mm. that I was in. But, um, you you, you know, uh, I look back and I say, it was a great decision. But saying I only did it for two years, I guess it was the right amount of time. But um, I didn't go in thinking it's going to be a two-year gig. I was like, I'm going to do this. I don't know. I'm going to build something amazing. And I feel like uh, we had success, and I learned a lot. But I did not build this this you know this new creative organization that I'm still at as we're talking and we're talking about like, wow, how did you how did you go from 2016 click to 2021 click where that's not that's not the story of my life or at least my life with that company and so in some ways it's a failure in my mind well what you did do is so it seems i mean I'm, I'm i'm no i'm no you know expert but what you what it sounds like you did build was yourself mm-hmm. you know and it, mm-hmm. it's so I don't mean this to be cliched and, you know, all those sorts of things, but I mean, I, you know, when you just reflect on your own experiences and I'm just reflecting on my own, my worst experiences, the ones that make you shudder, the ones that give you cold sweats at night, generally in hindsight, when you look back, you kind of go, I ain't doing that again. And you know how not to do that again, because obviously you have to go through some shit sometimes to build and to grow. I mean, you know, and it's so, yeah, fine. Maybe click, you know, day one in terms of where you saw click going, maybe wasn't where, you know, it, it was when you left, but I bet you, you going back to area 23, you were a much better, a much more different leader. And maybe you, 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 you needed that. I think, you know, you have to go through okay. moments like that to grow. You can't grow if everything goes perfectly because, that's not life. Very true. Very. I mean, I, you're exactly right. Uh, I needed that experience. Yeah. And the company's filled with amazing people, friendships that I still have, and there's a lot I admire about it. Um, so I would never want to undo that experience. And I, and I agree, totally, totally critical in terms of my ability 
to do the next thing and then the next thing after that, you know, uh, I, I feel like if you approach things with the right mentality, there are no failures. You know, what is that, that's that saying? Like, you know, I didn't fail. I just learned, uh, I just learned or I learned how not to do something, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, it's, it's kind of cliche, but I, th- I think it's, there's definitely truth to that. You know, you, um, it's hard to fail if you learn something that makes it's hard to fail if you learn something that makes you more successful the next thing. But all those moments of anxiety and all those moments of stress and, you know, everything you were feeling, I mean, there are going to be people that are working in your teams who are undoubtedly going to be feeling elements of that in your next role or undoubtedly, you know, when you went back to area 23 and you can just draw on your, I imagine you can now draw on that experience to go, I know what that feels like. And here's what I, would do or this is what I should have done or or whatever and you can empathize with people and I think it's much easier to empathize with somebody if you've you know gone down that same path as well and you know you can't just be sat there going well I'm perfect you know you're not get on with it <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. yeah. so what happened did you yes. did you did did Tim come in like you know text you again or, or link in with you at two o'clock in the morning or or did you get yeah, yeah. basically yeah. he texted me and you know <laughs> i mean I, I i love the guy so he wanted to have lunch <laughs> and, and i the, he, this kind of came when i had made up my mind i was like i need to do something different you know uh, this is not you know li- essentially life's too short yeah life's too short uh so i'm going to do something different and i had some opportunities that seemed pretty interesting, but um, Tim wanted to chat. I've always got, I've always got time for that. And we were, you know, I just, I just love working with him. So we were, we were talking and, you know, one thing leads to another and I'm, I'm going back and um, I'm, I'm taking, taking a huge pay cut, huge, you, you know, where I'm like, I'm afraid to tell my wife about it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. But I'm like, the money wasn't making me happy, so what was yeah. it worth? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you know, it's, that, that that right there was a good lesson. You know, the first paycheck's exciting. After that, that's <laughs> you know, just, just air. It's normal. So you know, I was so I was so excited to go to take this to take a lesser title, to take less money, and to go work with people that I love working with, that I know that we were united in a vision uh, on and do something amazing, you know? And um, that's, in that moment, I, I, I learned uh, sort of a, uh, an analogy that I trot out all the time because for me, it's the most clarifying single thing in all of creative, uh, all creative business is that like i'm sure you've experienced have you ever talked to an advertising agency that does that doesn't say they're all about the creative <laughs> I, I haven't everybody they're all about the creative well, how come the creative's all so bad yeah it's because they're actually not or there's a group of people there that are and every other department was like well you know actually strategy when pitches or actually when people work with us, it's because of service, account services. And, I don't, and I'm not saying the creative department has to be at the top of the roost, but like, um, uh, one, I think it's helpful when creativity is not people, but like just a way of being. Yeah. And, um, two, whatever is the thing 
everybody's got to agree. So here's the analogy. You know, a million pound or a billion pound, something heavy, weight falls in the middle of a, a field and you strap a thousand horses to it. And you go, yeah, you know, pull. And they all pull. Well, if they all pull in different directions, like that rock is not really going anywhere. And maybe if you're lucky, you got some really like some, some strong horses and they're kind of going the same direction. Mm. So that rock moves, but they're having to overcome everybody else. Yeah. And if you can, and if you can just get them all lined up in the same directions that we're going there and all the horses are like, yeah, cool, man, we're going to, we're going to go there. And you could be off a degree this way or that way, but they're kind of going the same direction. You get there, you get there faster it takes less effort. You can go further. You can achieve more than you thought you could. And it is, so I, I'm a big unity, unified vision guy. I, I think if you're not all buying into the same vision, and you can be flexible on the details, but it's, you can't be flexible on, on the destination. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I was really, really at that moment in my career, I was willing to sacrifice a lot to work somewhere again where I thought we were totally unified on the, on the vision. And um, that's, that's what, going back to Area 23 at that time, meant for me is we're all bought in on this and that's, that's, what, that, that's what I need. And we're gonna, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be hard. But it's, oh, it's going to be hard in the right ways. And that's the secret. I think so. I think that's, the, you know... Maybe that's not the secret to how to be a good creative, but that's a secret. That is secret to have a have a have a uh, good creative agency. Is that every, every, everybody needs to agree? Yeah. And when I've had people leave, you know, it, it's always sad when you have ta- you work with talented people that they leave, they leave your organization. And I mean, I've left a, many, so you just have to wish the best for people and give them the tools to help them succeed and hope you work with them again. But if I'm talking to them, I'm saying. Interview the account people. Do not, in- yes, interview the creative people, but you're going to like them more than you don't. Yeah. Because they're just like you. If you want to know how creative the agency is, go talk to the go talk to the president. Don't talk to the CCO. Talk to the president because that's the person. Mm. That's the bellwether for what, what your commitment to creativity is. Mm. Don't talk to the creatives about that. They're committed. What about everybody else? So what, what, what was the commitment from the president then of, of your agency? Oh, uh, name Ellis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, no, nothing formal, but just, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have said, this is the work we're going to share. Or Tim and I have been like, this is the work we're going to share. And she's kind of like, I like this one, but you guys could do better than this. <laughs> we're kind of like, <laughs> Right? Damn it! We try to you try to convince her a little bit. She's she's not very persuadable, <laughs> especially when she knows she's right. Yeah. Uh, so you're kind of like, ah, oh, God. Okay. Well, we'll go back. We'll go back, and we'll we'll do better. So she is often the 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 most demanding person of the creative work. She will set the bar higher. Wow. Um. Then than uh, Tim or I will at times. And when we've got some crazy idea, or more aptly, when a team has some just crazy thing and we're like, we have to make this happen, she will, uh, and we look to her for help. 
she you, you can 100% count on her you can you know and there's a lot of ways that that um support takes some time you know it could be financial not like i'm going to give you money but more like financial like you know engineering mm. we'll create the space we'll create yeah. the time for you to do it yeah. uh it's okay that it's not maybe it's not starting billable or um here's a way we can sell this to the client yeah you know uh that's a real client here's a way we can maybe incentivize them to do it so that it still works for us but it feels like there's less less risk for them because she'll believe it's it's important for us to do the work um and we will get value from just having it be out in the world it'll help attract business it will encourage other clients to do the same it will maybe um maybe it'll have an impact on rates so she she just deeply genuinely believes in the the business value of creative work and that it's not like a yeah uh, some kind of nice to have yeah whack off thing it's like no that's that's our business and it's not it's not masturbatory it is essential it is what we do for our clients and if we are not doing that for them and putting it into the market we're going to be like everybody else and we will cease to exist as we are so she believes that really deeply i think that's a great insight certainly for people who haven't you know worked at area 23 because i think in most agencies and you know most big networks that you know the person at the top is literally just there to go as you say it's a nice to have a well done you know it's kind of like that's your that's your remit that's your job i'm just going to go off here and do my thing but somebody who can connect and actually really be part of the team and be slightly visionary about the commercial value and it's it's your product at the end of the day right it's you know um Mm -hmm. starbucks are going to look after their coffee if they don't look after their coffee, you know, everything else is irrelevant. And yeah, I think that's great. I think that's a really good insight. It might not seem because yeah. you obviously you've lived there for or lived there, worked there for many, many years. It's probably just, you know, a little natural. bit of both. <laughs> you lived there and worked there. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think the, the word you said that I think really hits the nail on the head to me is product. I think if you think yourself as in a service business, I think it's a huge mistake because that is suggests a hierarchical relationship that is about pleasing mm. somebody. And like, yeah, you of course want happy clients, but if you try to please somebody by pleasing them, go cut straight to that, you will fail. And I think if advertising agencies thought of themselves, you know, they should think of them as results businesses. I, I think there's merit to that, but my mindset is think of yourself as a product yeah. business. You have a product and you need to get that product into the market and that product needs to do things for your clients. And certain kinds of products are better than others. And I think the more you can orient yourself around a product mindset, the more, the easier, that's like a mental hack for achieving all of these, um, other, all of these other things. And, um, it's something I, I like. I like that you said that. And it's something I will use as a shorthand. I think moving forward to maybe explaining that idea to um, to other people because it says a lot to me without you know not not a lot of words. One word. I'm not a poet. I, I'm, I'm you sing a single I, word. I have I have very limited vocabulary compared to you. So yeah, <laughs> product. Yeah, but you have you, you have the right you have the right words. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of area 23 before we go on to your new role? No, I mean, 
Not, not really. I think um, if there are people wondering, like, what is the magic? I, I would say that um, there isn't any. It is, you, you know, I think out, out input is output. It is it's effort. It's, it's a unified vision. It is working really, really, really hard for, and it is um, having a mindset of creating opportunities. You know, don't wait for the client to ask you to do something great. You will never do it. Come up with the idea. Come up with a reason why they should do it. You create the reason. Create a day. That, that uh, Disease doesn't have a day. Create the day. Then create work for the day. Um, you know, don't, you, you need a piece of technological, of like tech that your agency can't make. Find someone that already makes it. See if they want to be your partner. I think the idea, if you have a mindset of it's inevitable that this happens so long as I put the right pieces in place, it will happen. You just have to ask yourself, what's, what's the next thing I can do to make this happen? And you don't have to do it all in a day. If you do one, if you do one thing a week, that project will probably happen. Sometimes it takes us a year to do a project. When I, when I left... There were three projects that I'm enormously excited about that the that they're finishing now uh, without me, and I, I won't say anything about them because I don't want to steal uh, the thunder from them. But like all of those projects, each one of them has taken well over a year. Sometimes it's taken. In one case, I think it's taken three years. Wow! Yeah, just like wow. this is gonna happen, <laughs> and, and you know, just. Keep working at it. Follow through. Yes, back to the idea of follow through. Just yeah. like you know, the more perfect your follow through, your perfect follow through is a be, is a substitute for uh, perfect is, is a good substitute for the perfect idea or the perfect client or the perfect anything else. Perfect follow through will solve all of those things. Mm-hmm. You just don't know how, but it'll kind of yeah find um, it'll, it'll find an outlet ultimately into the world if your follow through is. Good. Amazing. So tell us about your new role. Well, geez, I wish I knew more about it. So you're going to, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to ZS Associates. That's right. Isn't it? That's right. So this is a, um, this is, they call themselves a professional services company. I call them a a consultancy. Uh, This is obviously not a world that I'm from. And I'd be hard pressed to like really accurately describe what what working in a consultancy is like because I don't I don't know, um, you know. But uh, that's kind of what's appealing here is it's a building a creative organization totally from the ground up inside of a company that works with all of the people we work with but not in an advertising, marketing, or communications perspective. You know, they do incredibly nice people, incredibly talented, incredibly successful and earnest. They love solving problems. I love solving problems. They just solve them through the lens, it seems like, through the lens of uh, primarily strategy and lots and data and analytics and lots of other cool things which are enablers of creativity, but they don't kind of do that last bit. So that's that's what I'm there to do, and um, I think I'm going to learn what that requires. What are you? What are you? What are you going in as? Jeez, what is my title? Um, I think it is a 
executive creative director principal. Cool. So, you know, you know, a little more, not a, not a CCO. That's okay. It's not it for me. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited to build something and to make something. Last question from me. How did you, mm-hmm. how did you break the news to Tim again? You were going. Oh, that, that was terrible. That was terrible. No, I, I you know, I mean, I, I, I truly, I love the guy and I, he is the person that I have learned more from in the business than, than anyone else. I, so I have enormous amount of personal respect for him, but he's also just a friend of mine. And, um, you know, work is, it's like, it's not personal. Work is so often personal, mm. you, you know, the least the relationships are. And, you know, he's a guy that gives me, um, he's a guy that gives me like marriage advice or at least like gift advice Mm. and uh you know i love i love working with him so approaching that conversation was enormously um fortunately i didn't have much time to think about it i I had like a day because it kind of happened like wow i had this thing one day and the next day i was like you better talk to him about it because you're gonna do it (laughs) so um i didn't have a lot of time to think about it which was the upside but i just my approach in, in in life is strive for um, treating people like adults and honesty is like a good way to show that you respect somebody. I think is by like, you know, you have to slam people. I think you're an idiot. That's, that's not, that's not what I mean. I mean, more like just be straight with people. So we kind of had already had already had a meeting scheduled in the morning, just to like catch up on this project. Uh, what are we going to do about this? And oh, opportunity here. We kind of talked for 15 minutes or so. And, and then we were having a conversation. And I was like, yeah, there's one. And I was laying out a plan for us to um, kind of get to goal on a project that was really important to us. I was like, I've got it covered. We've got the production company lined up. It's really exciting. I was like, there's only one rub. And you can see me. I was like, oh, God. Of course. What, what what is it? And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna I don't know if I'm gonna be here for it. It's like what? And that I just needed a segue. And you know, that was my segue. And I just said, Hey man, I, I I've got this thing. I didn't you know, it sounds trite. I wasn't looking for it, it's come my way. It's a huge opportunity. It's at this place, this is the job. Um and I hate to I, I hate to leave and it's heartbreaking, but I'm I'm gonna give it a go and you know this this is what I'm gonna do and let's talk about what we do moving forward. Let's talk about how we can how we can deal with that fact, how how we can make it as 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 not a big deal as possible. So I just was very forthright and I mean he tremendously gracious. You know, all my anxiety was for naught. He was, you know, huge, hugely supportive of the decision, uh, hugely supportive of like me going and learning something and, and coming back. And um, he, he he made it he made it easy, and um, you know, continued to live up to my very high estimation of of, of him. And so uh, I was nervous, but it was um, in the end, it was yeah another good experience. But he's a good guy, and you clearly have a good relationship with him. And 
yeah do you know what elliot this has been really great i've really enjoyed hearing your story um you've been really you know very honest and i've i've I feel like I, I know. You, I hope I don't regret it later. No, well, I, I hope you don't. I hope I hope you see this as um as another moment in time, and and yeah. something that you can maybe listen to, you know, in in a few years' time and go, yeah, that's what I did. Um, you know, it's been really insightful. I, I've got, I've learned a lot actually listening to this story, and I hope I hope anyone out there listening to this has got something from it. And I I, I certainly think whether you're starting out in your in this in this crazy world or you've been doing it for for a number of years that you're you're gonna hopefully been inspired by this because it's it's brilliant and I'm, I'm so excited for you in your new chapter and it's again it's a totally different world that you're going into and you know we'll get you back on here you know in, in a few months time and you can tell us all about you know the world of consultancy and how you're how you're how you're getting on let's do it uh, I, well, you know, let's see. Uh, I feel like I was a little long-winded, and if and if everyone's just like, "Oh my God, this guy just goes on," I won't hold you to it. But if this, if if um, I can talk, so. But if that isn't the case, and and it doesn't just crater your ratings, then I then I would be happy to. I'd love to, and maybe I'll have learned something, or maybe I'll come with some new interesting questions, and you can help me figure out the answers to them. I'm sure I'll need advice. And, um, you know, I respect <laughs> you and what you've done a lot. I've always said, Shahid, this guy's crazy. He's doing stuff, and I don't know how he does it. I mean it. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need advice from people I respect. And so this will be a good way for me to get it from you on record and hold you accountable so I can actually uh, I can put you to work in that, in that yeah, conversation. Yeah, and we can... and we can share it with 15,000 people as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, look, Elliot, I just want to thank you and you know it's been brilliant I'm so, you know thanks for spending so much time as well you know this wasn't meant to be this long but um clearly you've lived a very interesting life and uh, you've had an amazing career so you know i, th- I think um it's been well worth the time and i just want to thank you you know and, and again best of luck with everything and um we'll we'll, we'll speak very soon on on, on, an, on another creative law podcast sounds good thank you the pleasure has been all mine And if you do enjoy listening to these podcasts, please do subscribe, rate and share whenever possible. 